So the Raptors won one twenty to one hundred two, which is I didn't I didn't expect the Raptors to win this game. I thought the Bucks would win it. Um, but you know, this game this game was over relatively quick, relatively quickly. Uh, because the most minutes played by the Bucks was by Giannis, and that was thirty four minutes. So it was over well, you know, into, it was, it was over pretty quickly. Milwaukee, quarter by quarter. Okay. So 31, 24, 26, 21. Toronto, 32, 33, 29, 26. Okay. So in the first quarter, it was close. And, you know, things just kind of went downhill from there. Miritich had 11. Giannis, 25. Middleton, 30. Brooke Lopez, 8. Eric Bledsoe, 5. DJ Wilson, 0. Ilya Silva, 7. George Hill, 5. Frazier, 2. Brogdon, 4. Malcolm Brogdon. Does someone want to explain to me how he had 4 points in 28 minutes? 28 minutes, and he had 4 points. A minus 10. He went 2 for 11. He had 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 personal fouls. That is inexcusable. You're the point guard. Point guards, I'm telling you, I don't, I really don't give them any slack. I cut them less likely than I do other positions because they are the extension of the coach. They're the floor general. They can't, you can't be this bad. You can't be that bad. Two for 11. I can go two for 11 in a basketball game. You get paid too much money to do that badly. Come on now. Shannon Brown played four minutes, had two points. Tony Snell. Zero points. Pat Connaughton, three. Okay. The Raptors. Siakam had seven. Kawhi, 19. Marcus Hall, 17. Kyle Lowry, 25. Danny Green, four. Let's see. Powell, 18. Ibaka, 17. Fred Van Fleet, 13. Congratulations to Fred Van Fleet. Uh, he just had, uh, his second child was born. So congratulations to him. He was in a shooting slump, and I think, I think this, uh, I think the birth of another child really helped him. I would imagine it would, it would help me. So congratulations to him. He went, he played 25 minutes, was 5 for 6. And, uh, went three for three from behind the arc. As a team, see, how did everyone do from behind the arc? Just as I, just as I expected. So the Bucks went 11 of 35 from behind the arc. It's 31%. That's not okay. And the Raptors went 14 of 41, which is 34%. That's not much better. 
free throws. Raptors, you know, they were, they were pretty good. They shot 89%, 24 of 27. The Bucks, 17 of 26. You can't do that. You can't have, you can't shoot 65% from the strike. You can't do that. You got, you have to shoot better than that in the playoffs. Whenever you, whenever you have a, whenever you have free shots, you have to make them. They, they're more important in the postseason than the regular season. Because in the playoffs, everyone plays harder. You know, people run faster. They work harder. You know, they rebound more aggressively. When you get an opportunity for free shots, you have to make them. You have to make them. Because you only, you only, you only get so many of them. As I said before, free throws are pretty much 100% mental as long as you have good form. You have good form, you're in. From the field, the Bucks went, were 37 of 80. They shot 46%, and the Raptors went 41 of 87. So the Raptors had seven more shots. Yeah, so that makes sense for the, that makes sense for the 18 points. That'll, that'll do it. Turnovers. 12 turnovers for the Bucks compared to 11 for the Raptors. Five blocks for the Raptors. Seven blocks for the Bucks. Steals for the Bucks, eight. Steals for the Raptors, nine. 32 assists. For the Raptors, 30 assists for the Bucks, 40 rebounds for the Bucks, 44 rebounds for the Raptors. Yeah, you, you know, the Bucks, you know, they're, they're, it's going to go back to Milwaukee. Uh, I think they'll, I think they'll do better. Um, I think I think they'll win game five. And I think the Raptors I I think we may get the seven games that I've been hoping for. I think I think we may finally get it. That's good. I mean not good for, you know, these teams because you want as much rest as possible against the Warriors, who have nine days of rest. Now eight days. So, you know, hopefully Milwaukee, uh, you know, hopefully Milwaukee wins and then Toronto wins and then it'll be 3-3. Then game seven will be back in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, it'll be who wants it more and who, you know, who has the will, who has the skill and all of that. So I, I, I can't wait for that. The Bucks and the Raptors. We'll continue to keep on fighting. You know, they, they gotta, you know, you gotta do better. Eric Bledsoe, five points, two for seven. Once again, you are the point guard. Five points, two assists, three rebounds. Two of seven for, from the field. Play 20 minutes. You can't play that many minutes 
and have that those few points. You can't do that. You're the floor general. You you facilitate the offense. And you're you you know, you lead the defense. There's no reason you should have five points. And Bledsoe, his shooting woes, they've gone on a pretty good amount of time now. I mean, wow. I mean, just, I don't, I don't know. You just, it's like, man, do you want it? Like, do you actually, do you actually want it? Brooke Lopez, eight points. One three for five. Chris Middleton, eleven for fifteen. Y'all y'all gotta do better than this. Especially especially the point guards in Bledsoe. George Hill, he had he had five. So and Malcolm Brogdon four. So the point guards combined had five, five and four. That is 14 points from the point guards. 14 points. That's a little bit above 10%. That's inexcusable for the, for the point guard position. You have to do better. You have three point guards on the team. You have to have more than 14 points. And combined in minutes played, Bledsoe 20, George Hill 27, so 47 plus 28, oh boy, 47 plus 28, 60, no, 75, something like that, you played 75 minutes, yeah, 75 minutes. And you come up with 14 points combined. That's unexcusable. Oh, forgive me. And Tony Frazier. So he played three minutes. So that's 78 minutes. And he had two points. So 16 points. Among four point guards. That means on average. The point guard. uh, The point guards. Individually. Had four more points than me. That's inexcusable. That's inexcusable. You, you have, you have to show up in the playoffs. You have to show up. It's win or go home. And, you know, they weren't, they weren't in danger of being eliminated. But it's like, okay, you can't take any game for, for granted. Game one, game two, game three, game four, game five, game six, game seven. You can't take any of them for granted. You have to go out every game and seize it. Go out every quarter. Just, you just have to start very small. Okay. I'm gonna, we're gonna win this possession. Then we're gonna win the next possession. We're gonna win the next possession. We're gonna win the next possession. We're gonna win that loose ball. We're gonna win that rebound. And then it's like, okay, we're gonna win the quarter. Okay, and then you repeat, and then you win, okay, it's like, okay, now we gotta win the half. And then you repeat it, and we're gonna win the second half. And then if you win both halves, 
or if you do well enough in one half, then you can win the game. It's a game of four quarters. You have to come out and you have to, you have to play. You have to play like you want it. It's just, it, it really comes down, it really comes down to skill and will. How skilled are you and how badly do you want it? Cause there are some people, I genuinely, I really believe there are stars in the, in the game, you know, they play. You know, they're, and they're, they're talented and they they can do it with the best of them. But they just don't have the will when it comes to winning a championship. Some players, you know, and I totally understand. They, they seek to win. They seek to win the regular season and they seek to do well. They seek to do well enough so they can get as much money as possible in their career and play for as long as possible. But some players don't care about a championship. And that's perfectly reasonable. Everyone's not cut from the same cloth. Some people want to win. Some people just have that dog in them. And some are just like, hey man, I'm just, I'm here to collect as many, many six figure and seven figure checks as possible. That's what I'm here for. But when you're in the playoffs and you want to be great, you have to come out and you have to, you have to win. That's just, that's just what it comes down to. Who can win, who can win 16 games first? That's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Darren Williams was a tremendous talent, tremendous talent. I love watching him play, but he just had certain games where it was just like, do you, like, you just ask him, like, do you want to play? Do you want to be here? Because it just didn't, it just didn't look like it. Like sometimes he just, it just looked like he didn't care. Some players, and you know, that's, that's perfectly acceptable. But if you want to be, if you want to be great, and you, well, I'll say this. If you're a role player, I understand. I understand. But if you're the leader of the team, or you want to be great, you have to go out there and win. You have to lead your team to victory. That's one of, that's one of the costs of being a leader. That's the, that's part of the cross that you have to bear. It's that will to win and that will to do whatever it takes within the rules to win. You can't just, you can't just go, go around lack, you know, lax and all of that. You have to work and you have to put in the time. You know, I was watching Steph Curry last night and I was just watching him, uh, just how much he runs in a game. You can tell he wants it because that he is in tremendous shape in terms of conditioning. I just watched him on one play where he, where he ran a ton just in one possession and he played like 47 minutes. You have to want it. And you know, he, he shows he's an example. It's like he is someone who puts in the time and puts in the work. He puts in the practice. He eats right. He trains right. 
He does everything that he can possibly do. He has a family. He has a wife. He has children. He has siblings. He has parents. But he put he puts in the work. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Because if you want it that badly, that's that's the only way you're going to get it done. There's a great documentary with Kobe, Kobe Bryant. And it's about, I want to say it's called, it's called Doing Work. And you can kind of, if you just watch it, you can kind of, you can see his mentality. I mean, anytime you just hear Kobe talking, you just watch him you know, train and practice. You can just tell he has something that most people don't have. You have to want it. You have to do whatever it takes to to win. Kobe would practice for hours. He would practice. He would go to the gym and practice for four hours. Four hours before practice began. Have practice. And then after practice, he would be there for a few more hours. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's greatness. You doing everything humanly possible. You obviously can't spend 24 hours in the gym. You have to eat. You have to sleep. Kobe has a beautiful wife and beautiful daughters. Hopefully he has a son so he can rescue the Lakers. But you, but you have to put in the work, and he did, and it paid off. He did everything. That's one of the things I heard him. I remember he was talking after his career was over, and someone, one of the interviewer asked him, "You know, do you have any regrets?" And Kobe said, "No." And he said the reason that he didn't have any regrets or didn't miss the game of basketball was because he put in everything he possibly could. He put in as much as he, as, he put in as much as he had. He gave everything. And when you do that, then you can, then you'll, you'll feel complete. You won't have regrets. You won't have any what ifs. He put in the time. He put in the work. He has five rings and a great, a great basketball legacy. That's what you have to do. You have to want it. And I'm looking at these stats here with these point guards. Inexcusable. Four point guards on this team, and they combined for 16 points. 16 points. That's disgusting. 78 minutes, 16 points. That's that's outrageous. They get paid too much money to do that. It's just, it's just outrageous, man. I mean, I know you have bad games, but collectively, as a team, there's four of you. You, all four of you can't possibly be that bad. And the same game. I mean, come on, one of you has to step up. At least one of you. It's just, it's just inexcusable. It's just absolutely inexcusable. And, you just, you, you have to put in the work. Brooke Lopez, eight points. Let's see. He's technically the only center. 
Miritich, 11. Giannis, 25. Ilyasova, 7. How badly do you want it? How bad do you want it? And that's what's so great about sports, man. You know, every, each side, each, you know, competitor, whether it's track, swimming, football, basketball, soccer, tennis, golf, everyone's trying to assert their dominance and assert their will and rise above the rest. Competition is just so amazing. It really is. I think it's, I believe sports is one of the great, greatest inventions ever. It really is. There's there's so much you can learn from competition, and so much that you can that you can see in within human nature. You can see people who want to do well. You see people who will do anything to be the best. You'll see greatness. You'll see, you'll see weakness. You'll see strength. You'll see so, you'll see so many virtues and so many attributes. Seriously, man. You know, I, when I see, when I see professional athletes who, who get paid a lot and can actually, you know, live off of what they make. It just amazes me. It really amazes me. Because there are times where you look at them and it's like, you, you just, you make, you are, you are blessed to be in a position where you can play a game for a living. I mean, think about that. Yeah, you practice. Yeah, you train and all that. But let's be real. You are paid millions of dollars to play a game for a living. Do you know how do you know how many people are out there that are starving for that opportunity? That's that, like that's that's why I hate seeing blowouts. I hate seeing blowouts. Like there are times it's like where a team loses by like 30 or 40 or is down by 30 or 40 in a game. You don't need to get paid millions of dollars for that. You can go down to your local YMCA, your local rec center. Find 12 to 15 dudes, grab them, and go play. On a professional stage, and they can go and lose by 30 or 40. You get paid too much money to be bad. You are, you are some of the, you, you are in such an, but you are in a position where you can leave such an amazing impact and you can, you can play a sport for a living. I mean, how, how many people will take that opportunity? Like, let's be real. I love playing golf. It's, it's such, it's such a fun game. It is, it is such a joy to do. And if I'm going to be honest, if I could, Make a living playing golf and practicing golf. I would do it in a heartbeat. I would, I would drop out of school 
and I would focus on pretty much nothing but golf. I know, I know it gets old. I know the paychecks get old. But if you look at the opportunity and you see what other people have to do to make a living, you don't have to clean toilets. You don't have to clean the bathrooms. You don't have to go pick up trash. You don't have to go in a mine. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to climb towers to fix things. You don't have to sit at a desk for 40 years. You get to play a game for a living. And you, you, you owe it to the rest of us that envy you to make the most of that opportunity. Some people would do anything, anything to have, to have the shot that some of these dudes have. That's why, you know, some of these stories, I want to say, uh, Alfonso McKinney, or, you know, he talked about, or he didn't talk about, but Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were talking about how he is a dude who went undrafted and he went, he went and played in Luxembourg, I want to say. I think it's Luxembourg. And he played and over there, you know, they only played once a week and they could, you know, you can't live off what they, what he was being paid. So he also had a day job. And then he tried out, he had, he went to the G League tryouts one day, paid the $175, which, which I'm going to assume that he did not have. I'm going to assume he had to borrow that money. But the point is he worked for what, for the opportunity that he was, that he wanted and was fortunate enough to get. Because there are people out there, they put in the work. They put in the time, they put in the effort. They put in the blood, they put in the sweat, they put in the tears. But they, you know, they just don't get that opportunity. And you see some of these people, you know, in sports and it's just like, man, what, what some people would give just to trade places with you just for a day. If they could just make one of your checks, they would be so grateful. You just, you, you have to make the most of your opportunity. You just have to. You owe it to yourself and to those who wish they could be in your position. I want to get to another topic, which to me is pretty comical, actually. So there's a city in Mississippi called Clarksdale. And the mayor pretty much he this is this is actually pretty hilarious. I mean, this is if this is actually real, this is I've never seen such a desperate, I've never seen such desperation. The mayor pretty much said that he was willing to spend up to $10,000 of his own money to pay criminals to move out of town, out of Clarksdale, Mississippi. Now let's just think about this. You, if, if, 
if this is real, and I believe it is, I believe it is, part of me wants to think that this isn't real, it's just, you know, he's just, he's just messing around, but part of me believes that this is real, and it's like, okay, there was a meeting that he was in, where they were talking about, okay, you know, what are we going to do? You know, crime, crime is too hot. Because I, I looked on this website called areavibes.com. I mean, that's just a great name for a website. And I'm looking here. And I mean, it's not, it's, it's pretty interesting. I wouldn't live here and I wouldn't raise a family here. Clarkstone, Mississippi demographics. A plus in amenities. A in cost of living. A D minus in crime. That is a 60%. F in employment. D minus in housing. F in schools. C plus in weather. I mean, that's terrible. I mean, the only good thing you can say is like, okay, we have water, running water, electricity, and we have a roof over our head. Other than that, don't live here. So that's just how bad it is here. And I, I find it absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And I mean, this town, the population, has pretty much steadily been going down. 2010, you know, they lost almost 2,000 people. 2011, almost 200 people. 2012, they lost almost 200 people. 2013, they lost 327 people. 2014, 264 people they lost. 2015, they lost 270. 2016, they lost 479. 2017, they lost 488. So pretty much the last decade has been a steady decline in the population. According to worldpopulationreview.com, which is where I just read these numbers from. Clarkstone, Mississippi has a population of 15,732. Wow. That's, that's unbelievable to me. But I mean, that's just how, that's just how bad crime is there. When I'm willing to take my money and pay you just to get away from me, that's, that's desperation. That's desperation. That's, I mean, there's nothing, there's no way, there's no other way to describe it. There's no other way to describe it. Clarksdale Mayor Chuck Espy, ooh, Espy, I like that last name, said Monday that if lawbreakers don't think they can turn their life around there, he'll pay for them to move elsewhere. Espy says that that's just part of his plan to cut crime. Clarksdale's 18,000 residents, okay, so it is 18,000, not the 1,500 number that I said. Clarksdale's 18,000 residents expressed alarm last year after 12 homicides were recorded. There's only been one homicide so far in 2019. SP credits improvements in police chief Sandra Williams hiring new officers and a new investigator. SB says criminals getting getting criminals to leave town isn't his only gambit. He's also focusing on rehab and intervention 
for those who want to go straight and remain in Clarksdale. Wow. So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, don't move there. I mean, this is this is just some serious yet hilarious stuff. He is so desperate to clean up his town that he's willing to take his own personal cash, his own money that can be that he can be using with his own family, with his own house. And he's going to give some of that money to the undesirables just to get them out of Clarksdale. That, to me, is absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Will it work? I gotta say, I think I think it could. Because, I mean, because, see, here's what I'm trying to figure out. It says the mayor of a Mississippi Delta city says he's willing to spend up to $10,000 of his own money to pay criminals to move out of town. It's like, okay. Even in Mississippi, where cost of living is, you know, much less than here in California. It's $10,000. I mean, what are you going to, what are you going to do with that? Let's say a criminal, like, let's, let's just, let's just play out the scenario. A criminal comes up, goes into the mayor's office and says, Hey, I saw your offer. I'm a criminal. Here's my criminal record. Uh, I want to leave. Does, is it 10? I can't imagine that it's $10,000 per criminal. Because this mayor will be out of cash after like two people or probably just the one. Is he going to take that 10,000, that 10, he's going to take those 10 G's and split it up? Because, I mean, to move out, you're not going, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you think you're about to go for $10,000. Even if only one person stepped forward, like, where is he about to go? And what makes you think that he wouldn't, that, that this person wouldn't come back? Or if they're or if they're a criminal, how can you trust them? How can you just you know you put the ten thousand dollars in their PayPal and then they stay there and then there's nothing you can do about it. I mean they're they're criminals so you can't really trust them. So it's 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 kind of a funny story. I think it's hilarious. Uh, hopefully they get it together down there. I've never been to Mississippi. And I can't ever envision myself going there out of my own volition. So, you know, Clarksdale, Mississippi, we're praying for you.